0: It's knee sang.
1: So how's things? Uh yeah, we've got a little situation going on at our place, so uh we're all kind of home for a, f- a little while, if you know what I mean.
0: <laughs> everyone.
1: Yep, everyone. Uh, yeah, it's going to be an interesting week. How about you? Heard you guys. Uh, uh, no,
0: pr- pretty good. Um just been snowboarding. Uh went down to uh, Rizutsu last weekend, and it was pretty bad. It was like, really icy. Uh, definitely, probably my last time Snowboarding this season, maybe, but, um, a friend of ours, uh, got injured on the first run. He, um, <laughs> caught an edge after about two minutes of going down the course and then, uh, dislocated his shoulder and that put him out for the rest of the day. Yeah. we kind of, we kind of called it quits as well around then. Like it, it took us probably about, an hour to get him off the mountain uh, into an ambulance and then on his way to the hospital. Um, and then kind of by then we were just, uh, you know, the, the mood was quite low. Uh, but we did a few more runs, um, you know, just to kind of get our money's worth and then, uh, and then headed back to, to Toya to have a barbecue. And then finally met with our friend. We went to pick him up at the hospital, um, Obviously, he wasn't in the, in the best of highest of spirits, but uh, but he hung in there. Finally, got some painkillers. Yeah, he had a, he had a terrible time. Just uh, you know, they, the 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 medics they wouldn't pop his shoulder back in uh, because they said they needed a you know a certified doctor or specialist to do it. So they probably could have done it. They probably knew how to, but. You know, their rules were like, we can't do it. So he's just like in pain the whole time. They wouldn't even give him painkillers either for the exact same reason. So, yeah, for about, I think it was like three hours, he was just in agony until he finally got to the hospital. Yeah, I've never
1: had a dislocated shoulder, but I've heard it's probably one of the worst types of pain you can have.
0: Yeah, he said it was the worst pain he's ever experienced in his life. And I think he's had a few injuries but he said, yeah, the dislocated shoulder is the worst one. I'm the same. I've never broken anything or had any dislocations, touch wood. But uh, I've had a lot of sprains, you know, like muscle sprains and stuff like that. They're pretty painful, but not as, uh, I can imagine, not as bad as a, a dislocation.
1: Yeah, I wonder if that's, like, common in all countries, that they can't do that without, like, a proper doctor around or just Japan. But the other thing I wanted to ask was... uh I mean did they have an ambulance like at the ski resort or they called an ambulance for this situation
0: or Yeah, they called one. So yeah, they had to he had to wait in um in like the medic area for the ambulance to come. And then once the ambulance came, they had to find out which hospital they could take him to because it was uh it was over a weekend, so most hospitals were closed. So he had to find one that would have an emergency room that would take him and the closest one that would accept him was uh 50 minutes away in the ambulance so which was the furthest one away (laughs) the the three choices he could have possibly gone to right uh, yeah up and down in kuchan
1: yeah so you guys were rusutsu and he had to go all the way to kuchan which is the small town next to niseko for people that don't know but yeah, I was wondering, uh, cause I was kind of, uh, getting some messages here and there from people and I was wondering why I had to go all the way to Kuchan, but yeah, I forgot it was a weekend. So
0: yeah, they checked, uh, Toya, which would have been the, the, the best option, the closest one, but they, they were open, but for some reason they refused to accept him. They didn't have their, uh, Gaijin,
1: uh, person in charge. probably
0: (laughs) racist that's what we say anyway uh but yeah the uh and then there was that day that was the second choice they were closed and then uh yeah kuchan was the only one that would uh would take him but when we we went to pick him up me and uh me and a friend um kind of around four o'clock um because it took, took him quite a while to to get everything sorted and yeah and in that hospital it was it was completely empty for a apart from four other people and all of those other four were from rizutsu snowboarders (laughs) (laughs) pretty much the same injury they're all like holding their arms and stuff
1: (laughs) (laughs) that's uh well yeah it's uh pretty unfortunate of course kuchan's gonna accept them because they're in the niseko area so they're probably used to having a lot of foreigners come in i think
0: they're very used to you know people getting injured over the weekend too Luckily it wasn't too many because I think the, uh, it was, you know, end of coming towards the end of the season. So Rizutsu wasn't as busy as it normally is. And probably because the conditions weren't great. I think a lot of people just uh, decided not to ride, but, um, yeah, for me, I think that might be my last day this season. However, it has been snowing this week and it is forecast to snow again over the weekend. So you never know maybe uh maybe one more yeah
1: we have the three-day weekend coming up but yeah it's definitely the end of the this uh winter you can tell <clears throat> uh temperature and support is warming up a little bit uh as i've said before march is my least favorite time of the year because all the snow is just melting and uh just kind of wet and muddy and gray around yeah, the city ugly yeah, yeah. <laughs> and now this year because we've had those uh, a couple of those large uh, fubuki or um, blizzards that uh, ended up after they plowed the roads and they had the really uh, high walls along the roads and stuff, and now those are just a bunch of gray, gravelly, dirty-looking
0: snow walls that we still have around the city and stuff. So it makes it yeah. even more pretty. <laughs> and also, like the the walls are so high; they're like two, over two meters high, so you can't even you know, see past them, it's like, it just feels kind of claustrophobic, like some kind of maze. And yeah, just driving around, uh, you know, my local area, I, I just feel like uh, kind of disorientated because everywhere just looks the same. You can't notice any uh, regular landmarks that you used to because the snow, the ice walls are so high.
1: Yeah, it's really weird. I mean, that's definitely like a unique thing about living in an Arctic city, uh, that gets a lot of snow because you get these like snow walls uh from the roads being plowed and stuff and this year again they're bigger probably than i remember them being for many many years and stuff so and yeah yeah it's dangerous like when you're trying to cross the street or step out or try to hail a cab you don't know if it was going
0: to come flying around the corner of a wall or something yeah. by a car yeah and just like the cars uh you see them kind of like sliding because of the you know if there's like a a warm day the especially the side roads that haven't been cleared They've got like all these divots and, you know, from the drainage and, uh, and, and just the cars are kind of going like pr- pretty bouncy. It's like going on an off road course or something. And if, if the, if there's two lanes, then it's, you know, the cars come pretty close to either sliding into each other or, or getting stuck even. Um, yeah. So, but a lot of the, la- uh, the roads have become single lane, which is probably a bit safer than having a, a double lane.
1: Yeah, except for <clears throat> you have to wait for the cars sometimes uh, coming the other direction, just like you were saying, because they can't really go past each other. So some people just have to stop and wait for the car coming the other direction. And I thought that was just like on side roads, but I was driving behind Sapporo Station uh the other day. And even some of the uh larger roads back there, like, uh, you know, they just, um after they plowed them, they still had a lot of snow on the sides of the road. So there's still just room for one car to go through. So even some of these main roads, you're waiting for the car from the other direction to come by. So it's been an interesting uh, winter for a lot of reasons, but the driving makes it interesting too. Mm. Um, but speaking of which, uh, I will kind of say um, that was something that kind of surprised me uh, about Japan when I got here. It was not something I was expecting, um, even though the hometown that I'm from in the U.S., we do get snow in the winter and stuff. But yeah, just nothing like here in Sapporo. It's kind of not really particular to Japan, but maybe more so unique to Sapporo. But um, it's kind of similar to what uh, I wanted to talk about today. I kind of brought this up because a few weeks ago, uh, Japan Today, one of the news sources, um, well, that I see sometimes on Facebook at least, uh, they kind of put out a question and uh, were welcoming foreigners to give their responses and I'm wondering if maybe even some of the listeners of this podcast maybe some people that gave a response to this question but Japan today posed the question what is something you long believed to be true about Japan that you found out isn't
0: good question yeah I saw that that was on a that was on their Facebook page wasn't it And know some uh, some really interesting answers or comments that people left and most of them I I can kind of agree with the the one that really caught my attention that I think a lot of people if they have never been to Japan before will be quite surprised at how uh tech technologically in advanced the country is mm. even though you know they have a lot of obviously modern tech companies that produce uh, up up to date uh, equipment and stuff like Sony and Toyota, you know, they're kind of the the leaders in that. But I think in everyday life, uh, you'll be quite surprised at what they use. Apart from the toilets, I would have to say, the toilets are definitely uh, the most advanced in the world. Um, but apart from that, I don't, I don't think anything else is. It, it seems to be quite far behind. Um, a good example is, uh, is the use of fax machines that the country uh, just for some reason doesn't want to get rid of. But I hear that's changing because of uh, the pandemic. So there have been some positives from uh, the COVID. Um, it's helping Japan advance their te- technology. But yeah, fax machines. Do you uh do you still use fax machines at your, the places you've worked at Burke and the company you work at now?
1: Um, to be honest, we haven't, and that might just be because of the pandemic. I uh, actually <clears throat> joined this company that I'm at right now right when the pandemic was starting, uh, even before we everyone knew it was kind of a pandemic, um, and. Uh, Yeah. So things might've just changed, uh, along with the pandemic, just like you were talking about. But my, the company I was at previously, just before this one, um, yes, fax machines were a big part of life. Uh, it was a large company that had a lot of sales outlets around the country. Uh, so there was a lot of documents, official documents that they were sending each other to fax machines and, uh, yeah, to other businesses within Japan. And, um, even some, well, there were some times when we even tried to use a fax machine for overseas, uh, business partners, but that was just kind of like when all else had been failing, like we were having email troubles and stuff. And, uh, yeah, we were like, we're going to send this by fax. And of course, some companies were like, uh, fax, what are you talking about? <laughs> so yeah, it's definitely something unique to Japan for sure.
0: Yeah. Like all the, all the places I've worked, like the schools I've worked at, they've, uh, they've all had fax machines. So for example, when we're, uh, we're entering some kind of a speech contest or a presentation contest, they always uh, give us a deadline for the application and we have to send it by fax. We're not allowed to send, we're not allowed to email, uh, we're not allowed to call up. It has to be by fax. So, uh, I mean, a good thing is, you know, like you said, if anything else fails, um, it's kind of a, the last resort, a good backup. Maybe to have a fax machine if uh, you know your your internet's not working or your Wi-Fi is down. Um, but I guess if you had a phone, you know to have a you need a a phone line to have a fax machine, right? So you could just call, I guess, instead of using the fax machine.
1: Yeah, I think you know I think a lot of places overseas still do uh, have some sort of fax uh, function. Uh, that they're using. But I think a lot of people aren't even using uh machines now. They're just using like uh, some type of online fax service, which is very similar to, um, you know, to sending and receiving faxes, except for it's just done all digitally, which kind of defeats the whole purpose <laughs> of a fax anyways. But yeah, <laughs> uh, maybe just to do business with places that are still stuck on the fax machines. I mean, I think a lot of people have that, you know, advanced technology or technologically advanced image of japan because of like manga or mm. you know anime and stuff uh when you see all the things uh, that are part of the stories in manga and anime and um, yeah
0: like robots and you know yeah the, that very famous one ghost in the shell make, makes you have that image of uh, yeah a very technologically advanced country
1: yeah lots of robots and i don't know people also think of like the bullet trains and Shinkansen and maybe some of these uh, companies that are putting out uh, robots like uh, Sony and stuff. But to be honest, like most overseas uh, places now they have very advanced train uh, line systems, trains and uh, yeah, I mean all sorts of places are, you know, developing robot technology as well, especially since everything's going towards AI. But mm. uh, yeah, one of the things I was kind well, just kind of, there was a b- bunch of them just running through them. But, uh, I mean, the first one on here, this person was pretty passionate about what they were talking about, which is, uh, they said that, uh, you know, their image of Japan was that there was this really wonderful family relationship, uh, that they often saw, saw described in most uh, comic books or manga, manga. And, um, but, uh, this person just wanted to throw it out there that Japan is the number one paradise for child abductors as parental child abduction is legal in Japan. And, uh, this is something that for some reason I see a lot about on Facebook because we actually, uh, uh, there was a police officer who trains at our jujitsu gym, but he's now in a, uh, he's not in Sapporo. He's in a different Hokkaido location, but he's like posting stuff about child abduction in Japan. Um, like, uh, well, sometimes almost every day. And, uh, I haven't asked him about it, but he's posting stuff, uh, both in Japanese and in English and some of it's referring to that very famous uh, child abduction case by that uh, French father who's not able to see his children, and he went on a hunger strike. And um, so this police officer is posting stuff about. But it makes me—I haven't reached out to him and asked him why he's so passionate about it because I don't really want to, you know, get caught up in uh, all this online stuff he's posting, everything. But I'm wondering if he too is kind of uh, going through this experience as a Japanese father. I mean we hear about it most often, like you know foreign parents who the uh Japanese mother like comes to the country and uh, takes the children back to Japan, and then the foreign parent is enabled to see their children after that happens and stuff, but he's also posting a lot of stuff about how this is just a problem for you know Japanese parents within Japan as well,
0: yeah, right this um I was looking into that, and there's uh there's something what uh, what the Japanese courts call the, the continuity principle, which uh, which basically means they always grant sole custody to whoever has physical control of the children, and that um, that kind of uh, you know emphasizes the the need for like you say abducting the, the children because whoever actually has them they usually get that sole custody. So then you always, well, I've you know I've heard of uh yeah maybe maybe mothers uh who are about to get divorced and have children they'll take their children and just like run away and try to hide from their from their ex husband until they can get to court um which yeah and it's it's pretty crazy when I first started hearing stuff about that, but it seems to be quite common and and fairly accepted i guess um I mean now you know like you're saying uh that that police officer's posting on. On Facebook and, and social media. And there's probably uh, a few more, you know, activists out there trying to, trying to protest the law and get the law changed. Cause it's not good for the children at all. It's like this, like that. It doesn't even consider the children. It's like all for, you know, trying to keep this old fashioned idea of, uh, of a ha- harmonious family. And for some reason, not, not having a father or a mother, um, uh, you know, kind of, keeps that keeps that form going so it's it's a bit weird why it hasn't changed it just seems so old-fashioned
1: yeah i don't uh completely understand it but i think they were saying it's you know because they consider like uh alimony and um i mean what is the word even for um or custody uh they kind of consider all of these to be private matters not really legal matters so it was supposed to be just something that I guess traditionally, maybe way back in the day or whatever, was figured out, Um, you know, just between the parents and whatever fashion was necessary, whether it was like a kind way of doing things or an unkind way of doing things. And yeah, it's just kind of carried over all the way until today. But I mean, this is a huge issue for things uh in the international news as well. I mean, we mostly hear about it again, just uh, what happens with foreign parents and, I mean, apparently, it's ultimately supposed to be uh, the the child's decision. Is something I Mm. think I was reading, but uh, yeah, obviously, children aren't going to make be able to make the decision in most cases. Um,
0: But and uh, and and it yeah, I mean, you you always hear well, I've I've heard of situations where you know it's never an amicable breakup. It's like once they're divorced, they're completely out of their lives. Like they're not even allowed to to see their kids. Um I have met some Japanese people that you know they they were divorced uh didn't have custody of their child and they've they've never seen him again so yeah one one of my friends um I was quite surprised I thought he was single he was like yeah i have a I have a fifteen year old son that he hasn't seen for like ten years um and you know when I spoke to him he didn't he didn't seem like bitter about it or you know he was, was quite he was kind of quite blase which was a bit weird. Maybe it's just accepted that that's that's the way it's done in Japan. And I met a few a few guys like that in that same situation where they have uh, children from a previous marriage that they have zero contact with, um, and they're not even trying to get any contact with them. But I guess they're not allowed to by by law.
1: Yeah, and you know, hearing that uh, the very famous case about the French father, um, you know, it kind of made me hopeful that something would. Uh, ultimately be able to change because that was getting quite a bit in use, especially because he went like on a hunger strike or something. Um, but uh, yeah, now that also sometimes see Japanese people, like you were saying, maybe some activists out there uh, posting things as well, then it gives me even more hope that uh, something will be done about this. Because I definitely do not think it's very fair. Um, mm. Another thing goes on here and you said you kind of, Mostly agreed with everything that was uh, people were posting on here, uh, so I kind of wanted to hear what you thought about this one. But uh, this person posted uh, that they thought Japanese eat very healthy and uh, balanced uh, food. Uh, Typing is a little strange. Eat a balanced di- diet. Diet, uh, but they mentioned that sometimes they see uh, parents feeding karage, which is basically fried chicken, uh, to their young one and a half year old child and uh, that there's tons of sugar in savory dishes and also salt in savory dishes. So basically this person was saying they were surprised to find out the Japanese are not eating as healthy a diet
0: as uh, might
1: most people might think they do. Do you, mm. would, would you think this is true?
0: I kind of agree with that a bit. Like uh, I think in general, if they're at home, then they're not eating super healthy. But what is uh, – healthy about their diet is uh, is the school lunches so if they're in elementary school or junior high school they all eat the same set meal for lunch and it's always a, a very balanced diet most of the time but in my experience from working at those schools where I've had to eat lunch with the kids um, some days the lunch isn't very healthy at all like uh, they'll have a, an age pan day or fried bread day and that's like the main meal, like a piece of agepan on a plate. Um, and then maybe a little, maybe some soup, but the, the fried bread is like the main dish. So that's one, one meal that I, I was like disgusted with. I was like, you can't make kids eat this as their, as their main lunch. And then, uh, and, and choco pan was another one. Chocolate bread was another day. And so I think in one month, uh, yeah, two of those, days in a month, they would have either agapan and and chocopan. And, yeah, I, I thought it was disgraceful. I, 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 even I wouldn't eat it. I was like, this is so unhealthy. I'm not going to eat this for lunch. Uh, but the kids loved it. Every time it come to that agapan or chocopan day, they got really excited. So I just gave it to them. Didn't say anything, but, you know. Um, yeah, so I was a bit kind of surprised that they had days like that. Maybe, I don't know, the budget was running low or something like that, and that, that's why they do it. But, um, but yeah, that was a very big surprise for me,
1: yeah, I think there's definitely a thing like uh, I think people will maybe uh be i mean if they really know nothing about Japan, they'll be surprised by things like that, or also maybe they'll be surprised at uh, how popular fast food restaurants in Japan are like McDonald's and uh some of them some of the ones they have down in uh, Tokyo, like taco Bell and stuff, and uh, there's definitely a lot of salt. Used in dishes and maybe uh, sugar as well, especially uh, when you eat out. But I'm still going to go more on the side of Japan uh, in general, it's uh, far more healthy than um, places overseas. And I just still have that impression because, you know, my uh, young kids are going through the nursery school system now. And uh, I'm just surprised about how much she knows about vegetables. She can name all these different vegetables. Uh, she can say which vegetables she wants to eat and stuff. And, you know, I'm in my forties and I still can't name more than three vegetables, you know? (laughs) So I just think that type of the way they drill that in and instill you know, those types of lessons in the kids from a very young age, you know, obviously that doesn't stick with everyone as they get older, but, uh, yeah, I don't think they have, I mean, unless you're in like a special private school or something in the U S you know, public school, definitely not. I don't think they really, uh. You know, teach kids about
0: food and healthy food in the same way that they do in Japan. I I would definitely agree with you there. Like, yeah, the the food. You know, there's some uh, foods that and diets that are not uh, the healthiest, but you know, they can't be perfect, can they? They can't just be eating perfect, healthy food all the time. Uh, They gotta enjoy their lives a little bit. Have to. That's why they have the sanjinoyatsu, right? Three o'clock snack time. Yeah. Was that was that a thing in in your in your home when you were growing up? You know, because your mum's Japanese and stuff.
1: Uh, to be honest, not that I remember. Uh, we may have had it, but no, I don't remember it being part of growing up. Did you have anything like that?
0: No, I, I was quite surprised to hear how how common that is in in Japan. Um, like I remember. Yeah, my friends used to always talk about it. And then all my students would talk about it all the time. Oh, it's three o'clock snack time. And they just start eating, you know, crisps and chocolate bars and nuts and stuff, which is all right. I think in when I was growing up, you know, we always had snacks with our lunch anyway. So that was kind of part of our lunch, like a sandwich um, and then a chocolate bar and some crisps. So, yeah, we, we included the snack in our lunch, which was probably not, not the best thing. Yeah,
1: I think they're trying to change dishes uh, or lunches and stuff uh, for kids in schools in the U.S., but uh, man, I just haven't been been there for so long, I really don't know what it's like anymore. Maybe it's uh, something closer to what they see in some other countries like Japan now, but I'm still going to guess, especially in the U.S., it's probably not like that.
0: Yeah, number 1 obese country in the world, right? And, uh, yeah. Got to be uh, number uh, 1. Or everything. did or did Australia overtake you guys? I think I heard that somewhere. Or maybe they overtook the Brits into the number 2 spot. Uh. uh yeah, I'm not sure where they rank, but uh yeah, be be yeah. tough to beat the Americans, I think. US <laughs> has to be
1: number 1 in everything. Uh <laughs> what else do we have on here? There was um this one about uh well, a bunch of people posted about this about uh, they were surprised that uh well, they thought Japan, in Japan, everyone gets treated with respect. People are very kind. Uh, there's a lot of rules and, cust- and customs about this, but then they, people talk about seeing businessmen, uh, standing at trains and, uh, some people seem like they're being polite while other people seem like they're being kind of rough. Uh, some people posted about um, you know hearing uh, Japanese people say things about foreigners and Japanese under their breath and not expecting foreigners to understand. They're kind of being bad mouth and everything. So yeah, a lot of people seem to get surprised that even in Japan there are
0: uh, still unkind people or rude people and stuff. Oh, for sure. We were. Well, I was uh, snowboarding in uh, Koksai, one of the one of the big local mountains uh, a couple of weeks ago and we were in the gondola uh it was three of us uh and then there was uh i think there was like three other people as well in the gondola too um one of the guys was old an old japanese dude and we were talking um there's a sign that says in japanese please refrain from speaking because of you know corona wear a mask and all that stuff so we're just having a conversation and then the japanese guy just uh just shouts out uh she's gonna like that she's hmm. to to my to my buddy who he's old too he's a, he's probably around the same age and it was just like you can uh you know you can say please you don't have to like just shout it like that so my 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 friend like repeated back to me he's like she's going to i'm trying to mock him um and then the and then the guy, you know, just carried on saying, Oh you, you know, please please shut up and be quiet, you shouldn't be talking and uh yeah, so we were with one of our other friends who was Japanese and he was just like so embarrassed that someone could be so rude to uh to, to, to us, basically. It's like, yeah, you don't you don't have to shout like that. Just uh, just be polite and, and say it say it like you normally would if uh, if they were a Japanese person. So we were we were assuming I don't know if we're we're right to that, but he, you know, didn't like foreigners or something like that.
1: Yeah, maybe had some bad experience with foreigners, or maybe uh, old enough to kind of remember some not so kind things that may have happened uh, or the foreigners have done to Japan in the past or something.
0: Well, that's the thing; it always seems to to happen from the older generation. Like the young kids don't care, you know. Like uh, the next gondola we went in, we were with uh, a bunch of you know twenty year olds. Um, and we said to them, you know, is it okay if we talk? Because the last gondola, the old guy got really angry with us. Now, like, no, it's fine. And they were talking too. So I think it kind of, yeah, depends on the generation. And also, there, you know, it was a bit annoying that he was kind of like that because it sounded like he was really worried about corona. But it's like, if you're so worried about it, why would you be sitting in a gondola with a bunch of strangers? Like, stay home. Don't, don't go to a place where people are trying to socialize and have fun.
1: Yeah, don't get in a uh, enclosed, tiny enclosed room with uh, five other people. Yeah. You know. um, this thing, I'm, I'm going to say, like, uh, you know, in Japanese culture, a lot of people uh, know that there's the, you know, uh, tatamai and honne. You know, honne is who you really are, and tatamai is, is who you are out in society, uh, trying to be con- um, polite, keep the wa and everything, and uh so i think in general most people out in public are being very kind to each other or you know i think there is a lot of things in the culture um you know to treat guests very well and uh to be honest i think genuinely um those types of lessons are pretty deeply instilled in japanese people um to be kind to others uh at least more so than i would say in a place like you know in Amer- in american culture but again I think just when they're out in public, then a lot of people are just, you know, doing their tatamaya, which is who they are out in public to try and keep things uh flowing smoothly and stuff. So, of course, you know, Japanese people are humans and humans, uh you know, get frustrated with other people. And some people are going to express that frustration maybe in a way that's a little offensive, like you guys experienced in that gondola. But, mm. uh yeah, I don't think people should expect Japanese people just to be robots that are just going to, you know, never... Have ill feelings towards other people,
0: right? Of course, uh, yeah. They're just like any any one of us. But I think, it, yeah, like you said, it's probably less common for uh, the standard Japanese person to really express their true feelings out in public, which is some countries uh, you go to, and uh, and a lot of people would basically say what they're thinking if they're angry or pissed off at someone. They'll let them know. But I think in uh, in Japan, yeah, like you said, they're more about keeping the, keeping the war and keeping the peace uh, just to make life uh, a bit smoother for people. so probably less uh, less stressful if you're in public than to worry about confrontations as much, uh, which is obviously uh, uh, makes the country very peaceful to live.
1: Yeah, but like, you know, if you work in Japanese companies, I've talked about it a lot like Japanese people are having fights with each other, arguments, uh, some people never get along with each other no matter how hard they try or something and they just give up on trying to get along with each other and and sometimes in uh, business situations uh like this one that was being described in this thread. Um, you know, especially with business people, it, it's uh, because of the whole hierarchy of senpai and kohai and a lot of times the uh, older person or the senpai will be purposefully kind of rude or looking down towards this uh towards their kohai uh just because they're trying to kind of keep them in their place and stuff and uh so that might have been what was going on there not necessarily that they were being rude to each other just cuz they're rude people but that's kind of part of the business culture to maintain that hierarchy as well in most situations so
0: hmm. that must be quite hard to uh to be in that relationship. But I guess if you want to, you know, function as a regular member of society in Japan, uh, as a Japanese person, you have to go through that experience, you know, and it starts at quite a young age, like in uh, maybe maybe like junior high school. I think it really begins when you join, you know, clubs and, um, and then you have your senpai kohai. So one of my friends there, their child is going into junior high next year and their child's like really worried about joining, you know, a school club because they know that they're gonna have to start at the bottom and be treated like shit from their mm-hmm. senpais. So they don't want to join a club and it's like, Well, he was saying um to encourage her, well you you have to go through it because you're gonna experience that later on in life anyway. So if you're if you're gonna avoid it at such a young age, it's going to be tough getting used to that. That the older you get, um, yeah. So, so sh- uh, their child wanting to join the the going home club, which is uh, kind of Kick or something like that. Can't remember. It I mean, it's, I don't think it's an official club, but it's like the ones where uh, none of the students can find anything to join, so they just go home.
1: <laughs> That's a good club to be in.
0: Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, no, I think you know they they should get used to that that culture because it's very prevalent in Japan and it probably will be for the foreseeable future, I'm guessing. Luckily, as foreigners, we don't have to kind of adhere to that as much, I think. Uh, maybe at work, I don't know, but, you know, I everyone I've worked with, um, unless they're like my actual boss, um, there's no that kind of kohai-senpai relationship.
1: Yeah, uh, definitely not. What about this one they were saying um they were surprised because they uh didn't when they, once they got here they got they kinda they were surprised because they didn't think Japanese people um cared as much about the environment as uh you know, as they was their image before they got to Japan. Um and I'm not really sure what this person I mean, they didn't really elaborate on it, but do you think Japan or Japanese people um don't really care about the environment too much or do you can you think of anything that might give uh somebody the impression that that is the case in Japan
0: what well, if you go to the beach or a park hmm. then you will often see just like rubbish everywhere especially down the beaches you, you know it seems to be that's a, a common dumping ground for you know people to to throw away their washing machines or uh their their day day bickies that they can't that they don't want to pay to get rid of. Uh so yeah, if you go to a beach, maybe not in the summertime, but off season, you'll see a lot of crap down there. And yeah, and in in parks there's a there's a local tennis court that I often play at down by the river and there's always Cigarette butts everywhere by the benches and uh-huh. plastic bags of empty coffee cans. That and it's just like, why don't you take your rubbish with you? It's not that difficult to do, but um, but that that's quite surprising to see. There's there was no bins around, no public bins around, but I don't think it's that hard to to take away your rubbish. But then again, maybe, yeah, from my experience, uh, a lot of Japanese people don't really care about the environment so much.
1: Yeah, I guess that's true. I mean, I would still think, uh if, you know, a person spends any time in a lot of uh, big cities in the U.S. or cities that are the same size as Sapporo at least, uh, you know, they would definitely feel that maybe Japan was still cleaner. But, yeah, you definitely do see people littering and stuff. I mean, I was trying to think of some things. Maybe it's because, you know, oftentimes they do really weird construction in strange places or, you know, they do a lot of this for example, flood prevention along rivers and stuff, put in a lot of cement barriers, which might not be necessary. Or uh, we have a friend that kind of works in forestry or was working in forestry for a little while. And he was saying, uh, you know, especially in Hokkaido and around Sapporo, um, when they go and cut down trees, well, it's just not very regulated and well thought out. And uh, they'll just kind of go clear a place on a mountain and then they won't uh, think about, you know, replanting in a proper way. Or you know to maintain whatever that was a natural setting beforehand, um, you know, and things like that. So, because there are some things like that, I kind of got the impression maybe that um, you know Japan doesn't really give as much thought about environmental issues as uh, maybe you know people overseas have the impression. But still, I mean, I kind of feel like maybe those same pro- types of problems are
0: in other countries as well. So mm, I find out I find that you know a lot of uh towns you go to in japan there's a you know there's there's definitely not much greener greenery around there's a lot of gray ugly buildings which uh which i was quite surprised to see when i first came here uh i mean the cities you can kind of expect it but even in the in smaller towns um you know the the, the greenery is not very well kept in the parks uh, Sapporo is a bit better, you know. We have like Nakajima Park and Odori, and they seem to keep that, keep those in in good conditions. But uh, but yeah, if you go to any other city that I've been to, it's just like yeah, ugly gray block buildings, um, no trees around in the, in neighborhoods and stuff. Uh, you might see the odd one one or two here and there, but uh, but you know that like that kind of picturesque scene in those American movies where there's all these you know terraced houses and and a big long driveway covered with like a canopy of trees is that is that like a common thing in america or is that just uh just hollywood bullshit proper spreading propaganda
1: <laughs> uh, i think in most places uh again there is you know there's pretty strict zoning laws or regulations about how areas should be developed and stuff and how they should look and you know, maintaining a certain amount of greenery within, uh, urban areas and things like that. Um, so maybe some of it is Hollywood, but, uh, well, at least more so in Japan. I think a lot of things like that are planned. There's a lot of city planning that goes into things, uh, you know, more than they, they put thought into it here.
0: Hmm. Yeah. I'm, 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 uh picturing, uh, the, the movie big, you know, with Tom Hanks, um, and that street that he lived in was, uh, was kind of like very picturesque with a lot of a lot of greenery around and uh and i I was thinking um if uh if burke grew up in in a place like that
1: oh well yeah i mean you know subdivision i can't remember exactly what it was like in big but uh i mean subdivisions in the u.s yeah they're kind of uh cookie cutter laid out a lot of you know trees and exact spots and uh you know boulevards with uh, you know greenery down the middle of the road and stuff so yeah, everyone's
0: got gardens all right front and back lawns yeah i mean that's how picket i mean fences. it is
1: yeah isn't it like that in england
0: mm, nah not maybe in some places uh i think to you know like places outside of the city um the suburbs of course like we have mainly uh back gardens and some small yards but not many places have like picket fences so I think, uh, yeah, just because the the land areas are a lot smaller in uh, in the UK than America,
1: yeah, and that's definitely not something uh, you'll see in Japan very often either. Is like you know those uh, nice gardens or lawns and stuff. I mean, probably for the same reason as you were just describing about the UK. It's just you know land is uh, is very sparse that can be used, and especially in cities. I mean, people that do have any type of lawn or garden. Uh, In the city here in Sapporo, it's just like a very small uh, block of grass out in front of their house or something or behind their house. Or some people have kind of like gravel gardens, so-called gardens uh, back in their house. I mean, a lot of people that do that, they do put quite a bit of thought, it seems like, into having a variety of trees and trying to make it quite picturesque. But yeah, it's just such a small size and everything that's not even comparable to anything that... You know, at least I was used to growing up in the u s and stuff,
0: yeah, no space for a swimming pool, right <laughs> yeah exactly, <laughs> yeah,
1: that was the thing. I mean, you remember in um terrace house like uh which season was it might have even been a recent season uh they had like a swimming pool at the house
0: yeah i think I think every season had a swimming pool, didn't they do they from, yeah, from what I remember, yeah, but it wasn't but, it was like a, a narrow, kind of long one, it wasn't you know a great swimming pool um i don't think you could actually swim in it it was more just to, like hang out
1: yeah exactly or they'd kind of have like those above ground type swimming pools uh those are kind of popular in different parts of the u.s and stuff but mm. it's not like the uh swimming pool in the ground and in, in your backyard that you'll see in like southern california or places in arizona and stuff so
0: yeah yeah did you have a swimming pool growing up
1: uh no Ben uh contrary to popular belief, I did not grow up in um, you know a huge mansion and stuff. Um, so the only swimming pool we had was uh in the second floor uh, bathroom, which is a small bathtub.
0: We had a paddling pool um, kind oh. of uh how was it like a yeah round uh two meter by two meter paddling pool that we'd blow up in the summertime uh, that kind <laughs> of right. just about fit in our back garden. Yeah, uh, yeah, that was uh, that was uh, the extent of kind of yeah, pools in in my area. <laughs> I think, uh, if you had a swimming pool in in England, that's like kind of pretty elite level. Like uh, like Australia, is pretty common, um, I guess. Like California, maybe it's common for regular regular folk to have swimming pools, but yeah, in England, if you have a swimming pool, you are you know you're killing it. You're doing you're yeah, doing well in life.
1: Yeah, I think even places like California now, though, because of, you know, droughts and everything, um, it's pretty hard or expensive to have a swimming pool and stuff to maintain it. Um, mm-hmm. Anything else on here? Uh, how are you personally? Things that have surprised you? I mean, I had some things, but they're kind of pretty boring and every day. Like, I was just surprised how many, you know, how often prime ministers change in Japan. It's like sometimes <laughs> more than once a year. Yeah,
0: uh, yeah. Uh, well, there was the the one about uh, how Japan is still a cash based society. Um, they're trying to make it cashless to, to you know join the rest of the world by having more online banking, uh, using card payments now not not credit cards but using phones to uh, to pay for things uh, at convenience stores or, or for shopping. What do they have? Do you do you use any of that stuff? There's like, uh, what pay. I mean, like Apple Pay is like the main one um, mm. abroad, but in Japan, yeah, there's like PayPay. Pay. Um, there's there's a bunch of them. Rakuten Pay, I think. Uh, can't remember the name of some of them, but uh, yeah, Seven Eleven have their own one. Uh, what else? There's yeah, I can't can't think of the names on top of my head, but every time you go into you know, a, a convenience store, they have like 10 different logos of different ways for, for paying for things using your phone. Yeah, I don't use any of them. I just use uh, my credit card.
1: Yeah, we're just uh, using credit card. I mean, I get uh, email from SoftBank probably once a month that I need to hurry up and, you know, consider s- signing up and using their pay service and stuff. But yeah, we just um, use credit cards because, you know, we get points for, um, uh one of the credit cards we have is uh A and A Airlines so we get um you know mileage and stuff by using that one. And mm. then the other ones we have is just for, you know, a local department store here, so I uh, get enough points to kinda get some free groceries here and there and stuff. But yeah, we're still in uh credit card land and I was surprised um because I was in the cab the other day actually. And, uh, yeah, he just told me I couldn't use a credit card to pay. Couldn't any, use it. <laughs> really? I'm like, what are you talking about? What? I'm, I'm just going to get out. Is that okay? <laughs> you know?
0: but, you uh, mean like he, he just stopped accepting it? Or was that the, the, just the taxi company did not accept credit cards?
1: That, yeah, that company did not uh, accept credit cards. Um, yeah. I mean, I don't know. Maybe it's like that in some places in the US, but I don't think so. I'm...
0: What I was, um, I was kind of, uh, looking on the interweb and uh and i was trying to find some reasons why uh yeah japan is still predominantly cash-based society and i found a list of some uh, some of the main reasons and i reckon what uh what do you think could be a reason why japan is still uh heavily uh, relying on cash i think we talked about this before and
1: uh uh oh I remember one reason being that, like, uh, like a lot of places, uh, businesses in general, oh, that's what it was. It, uh, the credit card companies charged very high fees or something to, um, retailers or other locations that wanted to use, uh, credit card service or offer credit card service. So just a lot of places, uh, didn't want to, you know, uh, be in business with the credit card companies so they just didn't offer credit card services at their own business i think that was one reason was that mentioned in there
0: yeah yeah and uh, mainly because there's a lot of small businesses in japan you know there's like these little izakayas and bars um, and yeah they don't want to to pay the the high fees for using credit cards so they uh they use cash and um yeah so that's a that's a big reason yeah well done Burke any other reasons <laughs> uh, any other reasons uh, well I'll, I'll I'll give you I'll give you a couple more so there's the this expression tansu Yorkin which means uh saving money under your mattress so a lot of uh, a lot of older people still kind of do this um because of the low interest or even negative interest in some banks that uh that a lot of people think it's safer to keep their money uh or their money in cash underneath a mattress uh, back at home huh. um, and also kind of relate to that why they do that is because uh because japan is kind of known to be uh, a very safe country and it's uh you know it's quite rare for uh, robberies to take place uh, people to steal your money steal your wallet uh, pickpockets, uh, break-ins, yeah, all that uh, theft is very low. So, yeah, people actually feel comfortable walking around with uh, tens of thousands of yen in their wallet because uh, they 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 know that even if it gets lost, uh, a lot of times their wallet will be returned to the local coal barn with the with the cash still inside, mm. and uh, and that's definitely still happens now. So that's uh, that's another reason why, another two reasons there why cash is still predominant around. Well, I will
1: say that my wallet here in Japan usually has a lot more money in it, uh, in cash than it, than it would have ever in the US just because, yeah, I was, uh, you know, I'm worried about maybe, uh, my wallet getting stolen or me even forgetting and losing my wallet. Uh, yeah. Your
0: wallet always looks like really heavy with, I don't know, coins, one yens and 10 yens. Trying to make yourself look i don't know richer or something big
1: balling um <laughs> no that's just probably because it's uh full of receipts that i uh, organized and gotten rid of and
0: or, or point cards Point <laughs>
1: cards. <laughs> exactly just trying to collect as many man that is one thing that surprised me about japan is everywhere has their own stupid point card <laughs> and most yeah. places like you don't even get enough points for using it anyway so it's just like it's just a way to keep track of what you're uh
0: Buying and stuff, I
1: guess. Oh I god,
0: know. I I recently got the uh, the Seiko Mart point card, um, but I, I don't really know how it works because I got I got points, but then you have to do something else to convert it into actual money to spend. So every time I uh, go to the convenience store, and you know, it always says balance zero, but it has points, whatever hundred and something but that's not the same as actual money. Whereas the Lawson one's good because the actual point equals the money. Huh. Um, so yeah, I need to look into Seiko Mart's policy. I think you have to buy special things mm-hmm. for it to change into money or something. So that was quite annoying. So I've got another useless yeah point card in my wallet now.
1: Yeah, that's something people should know about or be ready for it. They're going to come travel to Japan as part of the process of paying for things and checking out of the register at a convenience store. You're definitely going to get asked about your point card. And uh, if you don't know too much Japanese, you're probably going to get confused about what they're asking about. But don't worry, they're probably used to foreigners not knowing and being confused, so they probably just kind of skip on to the next question after that uh, if you <laughs> don't know what they're talking about. But that does remind me uh something that did surprise me about Japan and was kind of mentioned in here um, was that uh, I was actually surprised at, um, you know, how little people speak English. I I mean, I know we've talked about a lot that sometimes there's people around you and you'll be surprised how much English they do understand, but just in general, like people, I mean, they might understand English, but they, people in Japan still seem to have quite a bit of trouble with, uh, speaking it or being confident to speak it. And I think that just goes back to the English teaching system, which was another thing that surprised me. I don't know how it is now, um, but when I was teaching in schools and stuff, I was just like, this is not an effective way for people to be learning I how think, to speak English uh, and stuff. I think
0: it's getting worse, Burke. I think uh, the, the apathy towards English is increasing. Um, and, yeah, I think because of also the uh, the corona situation, a lot of uh, students, uh, like especially from overseas, uh, haven't been able to come into Japan so I think a lot of, uh, you know, students studying English when they have those international students come in, I think that gives them a lot of motivation because the the, the Taiwanese students that used to come and the, the Chinese students, they were like the perfect people to teach. They would, you know, they'd have be enthusiastic, they'd raise their hand, they'd want to answer questions, they want to have discussions. But the Japanese is a completely different way of learning a language or learning anything so uh, so once those international students aren't in the class anymore it's just like dead silent even though it's supposed to be a communication class so that's what i've kind of noticed um whilst teaching at universities yeah this uh, it's definitely harder to get students to to speak in english uh, at all basically but i know they you know they have the knowledge they have the vocabulary they've picked up and the, they know all the grammar rules but they just don't have that confidence in uh, in expressing themselves
1: maybe everyone's just waiting for that uh, super efficient and effective translation device or maybe the neuralink uh you know microchip to go in people's brains so they Oh there's uh, there's
0: anymore. there's one that came out uh last year that's become really popular uh, it's called uh, what's it called D, DL or something uh, Deep L that's what it's called Deep oh, L yeah um, and especially when it comes to to writing a lot of students have been using that now um, and it's really good it's really accurate it's quite hard to tell if a student's actually used it or not um, well you can tell because usually the, the writing's too good it's like almost <laughs> native level so they're like hold on a minute um, yeah, and, but I don't think the Japanese students realize how good it is, so I can kind of call them out on it.
1: Yeah, I'm quite familiar with that. Uh, I know a lot of translators that rely on that as well. It does still do some, th- I mean, you're right, It like uh, it's much better than it did before. Uh, it translates quite well, but it still does some strange things. Like, it kind of still keeps, like, what would normally be in the second half of an English sentence. They'll bring it to the front, you know, like it is in Japanese and stuff.
0: Um, still so, getting pronouns mixed up as well
1: yeah and I'll, and then sometimes like there's no you know uh subjects being clearly expressed in a japanese uh in a japanese sentence or in japanese writing so you know deep bells just has to kind of guess what the subject is and sometimes that kind of throws things off as well too but
0: Alrighty. Uh, I think we are probably coming up to that time. Mm. Uh, maybe we should mention a sponsor. Yeah. What do you think, Buck? Who did we mention last time? I think we spoke about Hokkaido Guide last time. Well, I
1: think our favorite uh, bar will be reopening later this month,
0: right? Yep, probably the end of March, I'm guessing, once the, the man in Bolshi uh is lifted. Yep, the what is it, quasi state of emergency or something? That's right. That's right. Yeah.
1: So yeah, Barefoot Bar will be opening again. Barefoot Bar, as we've mentioned many times, is located on uh well located in Tanuki Koji. Uh, at on the sixth block to the west, Tanuki Koji 6. Um, they've remodeled things. You've seen it since it's been remodeled, I believe. I have not yet, quite seen it yet. Since it's I've been seen remodeled.
0: parts of it, I've seen parts of it. Um, I think it is almost completely finished, so maybe by the time they open, uh, next, uh, it could all be finished, yeah. So, and, and I've heard. It's uh, it's, it's going very well. It's looking very nice. So quite excited to see that when things open up again. It's a good place to, uh, you know, because a lot of places in
1: Japan, uh, you kind of need to go in, sit down, uh, pay for a nomi hodai, and you're kind of stuck there for a certain amount of time. But, you know, a place like Barefoot, you kind of drop in. Uh, have some drinks, see if there's some people around that you want to chat up a little bit, have a conversation with, uh, enjoy some time with your friends, get some pre-drinks before you go to some other places as well, you know, or spend a couple hours in there and just enjoy every, all the, you know, great food and drinks that they have there as well. So it's a very flexible bar, basically. And,
0: and that's not always, uh, easy, uh, to find, uh, yeah. in Japan and big cities and stuff. So, and they, uh, and their staff, uh, speaks English and Japanese. So uh, if you want to, if you're visiting and you don't have much Japanese, you can go in there and, and don't have to worry about uh, communication. Or if you actually want to practice Japanese, you can go in there as well and, and uh, have a chinwag with the staff, which they'll be very happy to, I'm sure, to to talk to you and have a conversation, teach you about Sapporo and, uh, and the local, local delights of this city. So yeah, check out uh, Barefoot Bar have a facebook page facebook.com slash barefoot bar and it should be opening at the end of march unless the uh the restrictions get extended which hopefully not hopefully not i think it should be done this time
1: yeah i'm hoping because that'll be right when you know sapporo will be warming up other places down south will already be hitting their you know nice spring weather and everything so it'll be a perfect timing for barefoot bar to reopen in sapporo and great time for everybody to enjoy it uh thank you everyone for tuning in we definitely appreciate it
0: yeah leave us a rating and review on apple podcasts um and that would be uh, the best way to support us so yeah if you really like us and you really want to help us then uh yeah leave us a rating and review on apple podcasts uh only takes a minute so please do that and as Burke said, thanks for joining us everyone and we'll catch you again next time. What's got us over this?